This is Talking Aerospace Today, a podcast for the aerospace and defense industry, a place that brings the promise of tomorrow's technology to the ears of our listeners today. And I'm your host, Scott Salzweedle. Welcome to a special episode of Talking Aerospace Today, where we'll be talking with our special guest, Jim Roche of SimData. Of course, as always, my partner, Dale Tutt, is here too. This promises to be a fascinating discussion with two highly recognized industry experts. I'm excited these two have joined me. Today's podcast, How Agile Product Development is Reshaping the A&D Industry, takes a deep dive into agile product development. What is agile approach anyway? Many of you, when you hear the term, might think of software development. Others might be thinking, is this the process that finally replaces the waterfall approach? And what about manufacturing? How does agile impact aircraft manufacturing? With more innovation and increased levels of complexity, it's no surprise companies are looking for new ways to develop their products faster, better, and smarter. Jim, welcome. I'd like to start with you. Could you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do at SimData? Sure, Scott. First of all, thanks for inviting me. My degree is in physics and graduate studies in materials engineering. I spent my early career in advanced manufacturing engineering before transitioning into BLM. At General Motors, I served as chief architect for global engineering systems. This was followed by many years as PLM practice manager for various consulting firms delivering strategy and solutions for several major aerospace programs, such as the F-18, the F-35, and the Rolls-Royce Trent engine, as well as other interesting clients, such as Proton Motors in Malaysia, Bose, Church and Dwight, the makers of Arm & Hammer products, and Medtronic Bradycardia. After a stint with Siemens DIS, I retired and then joined SimData 10 years ago to begin delivering industrial consulting and help develop PLM strategy from an industry perspective. While I work with clients in many industries, my specialization is in aerospace and defense. And for the past several years, I've served as SimData's practice director for this industry. Wow, impressive track record. Okay, thank you. It's an honor to have you here today. And Dale, could you please share with our listeners what you do at Siemens? Hello, Scott. Glad to be here today. So my background, I've been involved in product development for about 30 years uh, in the industry in a large number of engineering and program management roles. Prior to joining Siemens, I was the vice president of engineering at the spaceship company. We were working with Virgin Galactic on building spaceships for commercial space tourism. Before that, I spent uh, about 18 years at Cessna Aircraft Company, or Textron Aviation now, working on a large number of programs. Uh, My biggest program towards the end was working as the chief engineer and program director for the Textron Airland Scorpion Jet, where we developed an all-new tactical fighter jet in about two years. So uh, very, very productive there. And and I had roles at General Dynamics Space Systems Division and Bombardier Learjet before that. But uh, here at Siemens, I lead the aerospace and defense industry team. We develop the industry strategy as well as really advocate for the customer solutions for for our product development within the company. And so I uh, represent uh, the aerospace and defense industry within the company and help lead the company and work with uh, a lot of our product development and our sales teams all, all around the globe. So thank you for uh, having me today. Sure. Great. Thanks, Dale. A wonderful, wonderful background. And um, I am just so pleased to have both you and Jim here today. So, Jim, back to you. What's going on at SimData these days? Uh, SimData is a boutique management consultancy specializing in product lifecycle management. What we now call PLM has gone by various names over the years. Back when SimData was founded in 1983, the prevalent term of the day 
was Computer Integrated Manufacturing, or CIM, hence the name Syndata. The firm began by doing market research. Today, Syndata tracks over 300 solutions and publishes an authoritative set of annual reports on the global POM industry. The first expansion of the firm was into education with conferences and online in-person programs. Today, in collaboration with Eurostep, we produce POM Roadmap and PDT conferences in the spring of fall each year. The next step of expansion was into consulting for industrial clients and for solution providers. We've been doing this for a couple of decades now. And today, that is the biggest portion of our business. SimData is technology agnostic. We do not sell software or implementation services. What we sell is our knowledge and experience helping industrial clients define ambitious and achievable future state solutions and practical roadmaps for getting there, and helping solution providers to better understand trends and customer needs and how to best position their solutions, providing unbiased expertise to both industrial customers and to solution providers, positions SIM data as an honest broker for collaborative dialogue and action between these two communities. So... SimData also launched the Aerospace and Defense PLM Action Group. Actually, you're the one who started it. You gathered some impressive players, I must say. So could you please tell our listeners the mission of this PLM Action Group? And more important, how do you get everyone to play nice in the same sandbox? Well, the trick of it was they wanted to do it on their own. This is really a conversation that matured over several years. And I remember the date well. In February of 2014, Representatives from four aerospace companies stayed over after a PLM conference in Berlin, and with the guidance from SimData, met to define the mission operational guidelines and a starter list of research topics for what on that day became the Aerospace and Defense PLM Action Group. After decades of individual action, Airbus, Boeing, Embraer, and Gulfstream decided that their common PLM pain points could best be remediated through joint action. The membership has grown to a high of 11 in 2019, but with dislocations in the industry over the past year, membership currently stands at eight. These companies came together not to stifle competition and innovation, but on the contrary, to shift their spend profiles, increasing resources available for investment and innovation by reducing redundant spend on common problems. Also, they have influenced the direction within their industry by speaking to the PLM solution providers with a single voice. Over the years, the AND PLM Action Group has funded and staffed multiple project work streams, resulting in publication of research reports, direction statements, and position papers on topics such as PLM technology obsolescence management, collaboration between OEMs and their design and supply chains, model-based definition, model-based system engineering, and multiple view bill of materials management. In 2020, the group reported on a year-long collaborative effort with leading PLM solution providers, including Siemens DIS, to benchmark the capability of commercially available technology to satisfy multi-view bill of material requirements. The benchmark evaluation was a culmination of three years of effort and publication of a comprehensive position paper and associated appendices. These publications and others have been released to the public and have been downloaded by thousands of industry participants via the group's website. 
This year, the group has kicked off a new exciting project work stream on the topic of digital twin and digital thread. We look forward to see how this develops over the next few years. So, Dale, I know Siemens has been engaged with the A&D PLM Action Group as well. What's been your experience? It's been a really good experience. While we're not an official member, we are a partner for the digital enterprise for a lot of these customers. So we really welcome an opportunity to work with the members of the Aerospace and Defense PLM Action Group. And it's, and it's been a really great way for us to get feedback really on issues that matter the most to the aerospace and defense industry. So we, we get to hear a common voice and we get to help develop some of these new standard approaches uh, that helps the OEMs and the suppliers alike. So we've engaged with them, uh, with the group on the topics of that Jim has mentioned, uh, such as the model-based systems engineering and the multi-view bill of material. The multi-view bill of material benchmark that we did last year was uh, really interesting for us. It was a is a bit of an opportunity for us to stress test not only our existing solutions, but some of those uh, things that we had in development as well at the time. So uh, we were pleased that we we were able to score very well in that benchmark, and and we have more confidence now that our, you know that our solutions meet the needs for our for our aerospace and defense customers. So it's really been a good opportunity for us to work with some of our our customers in more of a partnership and kind of outside of a normal business competition. So it's it's really been a good experience for us. Okay, so you just mentioned MBSE, that's model-based systems engineering. So that's very hot right now. Could you go into a little more detail on exactly how Siemens is involved in the MBSE? With respect to the, like the PLM Action Group, we, we partner with them as they have developed some of their reports. We've had some follow-up discussions with them as those reports have come out. But you know, we provide end-end solutions from the time that you get initial requirements and start your conceptual design as you do all of your system modeling and then as you do your verification planning and, and really closing the loop with the verification that those requirements were met. So it's it's software solutions that really cross the entire enterprise and support the entire life cycle of the product. And so as as the PLM Action Group continues to advance the work that they've been doing with the MBSC activities, we will continue to work with them and highlight some of the areas where we're addressing the needs of the industry. Okay, so you also mentioned the multi-view bomb thing. That's a pretty big deal as well. Could could you go into a little more detail on that? Customers always struggle with managing their engineering bomb into their manufacturing bomb and test article, bill materials, et cetera. So there's a lot of different bill materials that need to be managed. And it really is Part of the key activity around, you know, that helps you manage the configuration of, of your product. As an aircraft manufacturer, every tail number may have slightly different configurations depending on the customer's needs. And so you're always working to how do you manage these large amounts of data in an efficient manner and, but then to provide the views that different users need. So the engineering user needs a different viewpoint and a different way of looking at the data than say the manufacturing engineer does, but but you need to be able to make sure that those are synchronized, that you're maintaining that configuration control, that the as designed matches the as built, and then the as delivered, and then actually the as maintained. And so it's about managing large amounts of data and the traceability throughout the entire assembly tree of these products. Some really good stuff, Dale. Thanks. So listeners, if you want to learn more, there's a comprehensive report now available from the A&D PLM Action Group. It's an industry benchmark of sorts. Uh, 
In fact, there's an entire blog dedicated to this very topic. I would say just Google uh, aerospace defense community recognizes Siemens leadership and, and something like that. And you'll get the blog. And uh, more importantly, you'll have the opportunity to download SimData's benchmark report. Highly recommend you do that. So, Jim, what's the current state of affairs in the defense industry when it comes to the product development process? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's in a very exciting time. Uh, it's a time of change and transformation, not just for the industry, but within the industry, within the um, more established traditional companies that have really dominated the industry for so many decades. It's broadly recognized by all parties in the uh, A&D ecosystem. That means the uh, industrial companies that produce solutions, their suppliers that provide them with software, but also their customers. I would say at least at the senior management level, the old way, the waterfall approach is not viable in the long term. And it's increasingly recognized that the long term is uh, not such a long term. So it's uh, an immediate need and an urgency. And the key deficiencies of the traditional approach are clear. The development cycles have tended to be formal and lengthy. Most programs use a phase stage gate approach still in a waterfall development paradigm. During extended product development cycles, functional requirements and available technology can change. This introduces the potential for the need of a product development reset and repeat, or to accept a suboptimal product design. Another consideration is it's difficult to incorporate new capabilities and technology after program go, and adjusting requirements or changing the solution technology during development further increases the overall program time and cost. For the major players in this industry, what promotes recognition of these deficiencies to an imperative for change is that new competitors have entered the market who are not bound by these constraints, who are faster and less expensive, who are agile. These new competitors have established themselves as viable, and those who are buying A&D products facing their own competitive threats and budget constraints are beginning to demand the benefits of this new way of working. Wow, wow. And, you know, the United States Department of Defense, the DOD, recognizes the need to move to a more flexible methodology. That's true. The DOD is under tremendous pressure. Each generation of weapon system takes longer to develop and is more expensive by a lot. They have determined that this pattern must be broken to keep pace with more nimble adversaries. The DOD recognizes the need for accelerated and incremental development and acquisition processes and is implementing a paradigm-shifting initiative to achieve those goals. The objective of the initiative is rather than just be building better systems, it builds systems better. To respond to this initiative, A&D companies have recognized the need to adopt a different way of thinking about and executing product development. Successful Timely and cost-effective development requires using flexible, agile development approach. While new entrants are well down this path, the larger, more established players are committed and moving. As we instant data work with some of them, we are impressed by their firm commitment to making the investment in what for some of them is a two-generation leap. Wow. Yes, indeed. It's the agile product development approach. Now, 
There's a perception out there that agile applies to software development only. While this might have been true once upon a time, there is now a bona fide approach to agile in aerospace and defense. Yes, Scott, that's true. There is this perception that agile applies only to software development, but times are changing and we're seeing more and more application agile and broader product development. Critical aspect to agile is the ability to fully execute each of the sprints, steps, define, design, develop, or build, and test. Verify that the design meets the requirements. One reason why Agile has been applied so successfully to software development is the ability to carry out all of these steps effectively and efficiently. In many companies, the sequence of steps from design to develop to test are highly automated for their software products. Carrying out these steps from design to build to test for mechanical or electromechanical products traditionally involves construction and testing of physical prototypes. This is not something that can be done within a process construct of sprints. The breakthrough for application of agile methods to the mechanical domain came with a digital twin. Digital twins and digital thread are in fact prerequisites now available to enable agile development in a broader product context. Well, that's a lot to take in. Thanks, Jim. I really appreciate that. What I'd like to do is get Dale in on the conversation now. Dale, building on what Jim just said, how does Siemens define agile product development? You know, I think Jim captured the needs and the direction of the industry very well. When we look at agile product development, it, it really is a different way of looking at a program. Digital solutions, as we'll talk about today, really are enabling a, a new way of doing business. It's really helping uh, transform businesses and, and engineering processes. But when we think about agile product development in the context of, like, say, an airplane, it's, it really starts with breaking the, the overall program down into more manageable elements or chunks, as we used to call it when I was working on airplanes. And during the early design phase, we might look at the wing one week, the fuselage one week, and then what would be needed to support the early rig and bench testing. And then as you move further and further in, you start focusing on the prototypes and flight testing. But as you focus on these smaller sections of the airplane or these chunks of the airplane, the smaller team can focus all of their energy to mature that section of the vehicle. And so it really provides a lot of focus and a lot of collaboration. And as you go through this process of many sprints to develop the program, each sprint is maturing the configuration. It's, it's helping to set the baseline for the next sprint. And as you have changes that come out of one sprint or the next, or you have customer changes, now you can be much more responsive to these changes because you can incorporate them into your agile product development process. So I think just last thing I'll say uh, before we move on here, but is that some folks tend to think that agile is chaos, that, that, you know, there's this perception that it's kind of chaotic and it's not well organized. But in my opinion, in my experience, it's been really quite structured. It's like graduate level program management really requires a robust program management solution that's fully integrated in all aspects of your program so that you can manage all these sprints to make sure that you're meeting your overall objectives for the entire program. We've talked about these sprints and we've talked about the digital transformation. And what I'd like to do now is just bring up the uh, product design and engineering thread. It's, it's a specific approach uh, from Siemens. And I know this involves, this is a, a digital thread in, in, in of its own. So Dale, could you go in a little more detail about the PD&E digital thread and how Siemens supports the overall agile product development process? 
Yeah, absolutely. The agile approach normally would require testing at each sprint. So when you're, when you're talking about agile software development, you'll do a software build and you can go test it and then you can incorporate the changes. So it's easy to manage sprints. And sometimes I think people struggle to look at that as it applies to hardware. You, you can't go build a new airplane every sprint and go test it. And, and so it's, it's, it's a much different process. The key here then is virtual verification manufacturing. And you really have to leverage the comprehensive digital twin to verify that your your product is meeting their performance and the requirements during each sprint. And so using the digital twin and simulation technologies and analysis, it, it really enables these agile teams to quickly test and verify and identify any changes or any items that might need to change as they evaluate different design options. And this, this shortens their decision cycle and it also shortens the sprint development time and reduces risk because you're working in these small chunks and then you're virtually verifying it both from a, a performance and a manufacturing standpoint. Then you have to have a digital thread that really provides these agile development teams with access to all the information they need to use as part of their their individual sprints or, or their scrums, uh, as sometimes they're called as well. And so with the digital thread, you, you help manage your baseline, the overall configuration at the during and at the end of each sprint. You have your change management processes that, uh, you know, the decisions that are made being made to, between sprints about what you're going to, how you might adjust your, your plan based on new information that's coming in. And then as well as you have to integrate your program planning execution. So you leverage the comprehensive digital twin to really support your virtual verification and virtual manufacturing. And then you use the digital thread to really help connect this information together in a usable way that's transparent to all the personnel on the program. So everyone that's involved in the development process, they have more information and they maybe or maybe even a little bit less specialized in their thinking, they have better awareness of those interdependencies that they have with other functional areas, really helping to break down some of those silos. I would imagine agile product development addresses the challenges around what we're seeing in the industry right now, uh, the future of air mobility, whether we're talking electric hybrid aircraft, uh, even space exploration, or, or even the many vehicles associated with urban air mobility. With any innovative aircraft, like an air taxi, or I think we're going to see a lot of work now with reduced emission aircraft, especially over the next decades with companies now starting to put more focus, more emphasis on that, or even spacecraft. The, the, each solution or each product uh, has its own set of challenges. But when you think about like urban air mobility or electric aircraft now, you're, you're talking about how do you manage the power density, these there's a lot of batteries and there's a lot of power that's required for takeoff and flying at high-speed crews and, and climbing out. So you have to manage the power density. You have new systems like electric propulsion. With all this power going around the airplane, you have to worry about EMI. You also have to worry about thermal management because you're generating heat loads with these batteries and with the electrical systems. You've got to integrate all these systems together, including things like a, you know, automated flight controls. And then you have to... F- understand how to verify and certify these products. Many of them are, they're certainly different than what we're certifying today. So there's differences in the rules that you need to certify these products to. And then at the end, and probably the most important thing is to be able to provide a passenger experience that is safe and reliable and and, and comfortable. So you're really balancing a lot of challenges 
it really is a multidisciplinary uh, challenge is to that you have to solve between structures and mechanical and electrical systems. So it really does bring a lot of challenges and 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 you really need uh, to think differently than you do today when you're designing these products. Yeah, it sounds like agile is perfect for where we are right now in the industry. Also, an integral part of Agile are, are these sprints or, or scrums, both you and Jim have alluded to. For our listeners who are unfamiliar with the term sprint, could you please define a sprint? Absolutely. I, I think, as I mentioned earlier, when we talk, talk about sprint, we're really talking about breaking, taking this large program and breaking it down into smaller manageable chunks that allow the, these teams to become very focused on an area or, as I said, a you know, chunk of the airplane. So if you're talking about the wing, you have your team is working all aspects of the wing concurrently with each other, so with the structure, the fuel system, the you know, hydraulic system, electrical systems, the landing gear. All of these things can be worked at the same time so that the team is working together through each splint. And so as they move through a sprint, it's, it's kind of simple. There's just a, there's a few steps in each process, but you analyze the requirements for the sprint and you have a plan for the sprint. This is what we want to achieve, and this is when we want to achieve it by. The team then goes through their normal design analysis cycles to help do this optimization, this multi-domain optimization of the product. Instead of testing a real product like you would do with software, you do virtual testing and you verify that the requirements are met. And then you also want to do concurrent with that. You want to do virtual manufacturing, really take an opportunity to identify if any of the design that you have completed to make sure that it's manufacturable and to identify if there's any design changes that are needed to support manufacturing. And and that can be with the product or maybe with the tooling or how your assembly line is set up. So it's looking at all aspects at the same time, but doing it in the virtual world, leveraging the comprehensive digital twin. And then the output of this, the deliverable of these sprints, is really an updated baseline, plus any changes that maybe need to be incorporated in future sprints. But you have that updated baseline that you can move forward with. So it really does maximize collaboration among the team. Everyone's working on the same set of priorities at the same time. And I think there's an overarching mindset that changes, that the team focus shifts from working on discrete milestones to just meet the milestones that are in your waterfall program, but to really focusing on effectively maturing the product content together. And I think the teams are really empowered when they adopt this agile product development um, methodology. Yeah, well, you mentioned some really good benefits. So it's all coming together. I I do want to bring Jim back in. Jim, from your perspective, what are sort of the benefits you see uh, from this type of approach? Dale hit on one of the key issues, and he, he explained it rarely well, and that is the impact that Agile has internally on the team dynamics. And that's where a lot of the benefits materialize, and then they manifest themselves externally in terms of the company's performance. But if you look at Agile and what it does within the company, it tackles internal challenges and issues that have been longstanding within the traditional way of doing projects where you have teams assigned to tasks within overall waterfall approach to doing the business. Agile is really about improving internal operations. Now, there's not a a lot of research, but there are some interesting studies that are emerging. In fact, a study by Organize Agile, which is an EU organization, discovered and documented the top three benefits among organizations that had adopted an Agile approach for product development with uh, electromechanical products. And there are as follows. 
Number one is improving flexibility and agility, which isn't surprising. And that was true for, I'm reading off my notes now because I want to get this right. 83% of respondents. The second was improving financial results. So this is measurable. And again, the majority of respondents responded with that dimension. And finally, the third major improvement was creating a more open and productive culture. So what we're finding, and the evidence is emerging to uh, support it, is that often when you want to do a transformation within an organization, there's resistance to change, and it's hard to get the user community to adopt a new way of working. And we're finding the the reverse is true with Agile. Now, there is always some human nature aspect of caution and apprehension with change. But as people get exposed to Agile, they find it a much more satisfying way of working, especially with a modern workforce. Okay, so what I'd like to do now is just dive a little bit deeper into the old way or what we're calling the legacy approach and compare that to the new way, of course, the Agile approach. Jim, so could you describe the characteristics associated with the legacy approach? I know you've touched on those uh, previously, but let's let's go over that one more time just so our listeners are clear what we're talking about here. Okay, Scott. Characteristics of the traditional or legacy approach, the waterfall approach, whatever, the stage gate waterfall. Characteristics of that approach to product development include the following. First, it's a fixed program plan. Uh, what we've been calling the waterfall, you do the requirements, then you do the design, and then you refine the design, then you test out the manufacturing, et cetera. And even though there is collaboration in integrated product teams, it's still basically a set of sequential activities. It's difficult to incorporate new capabilities after program go because everything is so structured in the uh, sequential series of events that must occur and the dependency across them. The potential for high volume of change throughout the program is uh, another characteristic because of the length of the program and the structure of the program, uh, the challenge of being able to make changes. And last uh, is the late risk mitigation so that the uh, program is uh, progressing and then toward the end, you take steps to mitigate the risk. So those are the main characteristics. Looking at it somewhat from a, a critical point of view, Of course, there are many benefits, otherwise the methodology wouldn't have persisted for so many decades. But uh, these are the highlight of what are the currently perceived shortcomings of the traditional approach. Okay, great. Thanks, Jim. And Dale, when you compare Agile to what Jim just described, what do you see? A world of difference. I, I, I think that it's amazing how much different it can be. But as Jim said, I mean, there, there's some elements of the legacy processes that that continue to carry through as well. But, you know, the characteristics of Agile really includes this structured but flexible program plan. So you, you any project that you're working on, you're still trying to work towards an end date, whether you have a five-year plan for a, a large fixed program or maybe a shorter program with a more Agile approach. There's, it's still a multi-year program that really needs a good program plan with good structure, but that's flexible and, and, and easy to change. You have these sprints that have very executable scopes so that you can iteratively mature the product. You're instead of thinking, well, okay, we're going to work on this for the next three years. You're now working on a smaller chunk, smaller element or smaller chunk that is for the next two months. And so it's much easier to manage. And I think easier for people to engage and, and work on it. 
that you have customer focus with very easy incorporation of new capabilities because you're being able to be more responsive to changes as you're working through these different sprints, as you have new requirements, new changes coming in, you're able to incorporate those easier. And as a result, you're able to minimize and effectively manage this change that you have a way, you have an approach to do this. And then finally, I think, you know, you have earlier risk mitigation, faster learning. And and what do we talk about when we say that is in a more traditional approach, you go through, you do all your design work, and then you start building your large test articles and you start into your flight test program, and all of your risk mitigation is put to the end of the program. And now, with a more agile approach and reliance, greater reliance on the virtual testing, you're starting to see those learnings earlier in the program, and and so it helps make your test programs later on more effective and actually in a, a verification process instead of a discovery process where you uh, identify some of the risks that normally would would occur during a, a, a more traditional approach on a program. From our discussion so far today, I think we can draw some conclusions around Agile. First, Agile can evolve to meet customer needs and changing forces in the marketplace. Second, it it taps into the full potential of the workforce talent. Third, Agile dissolves those pesky work silos. And fourth, Agile transforms program management, so a more mature and robust content is delivered. So um, do I have that right, Dale? Does Does that a good summary? Absolutely. I don't know that I could have said it much better, but it's really about empowering these teams to be more collaborative. And I I just want to emphasize that, that really, at the end of the day, it's about the people that are working the program. They're able to work more efficiently and faster, and they're going to be more responsive to changes while reducing overall program risk. So as you said, it really does transform the way you view programs and the way you execute on them. Okay. Okay, great. So, Jim, is there anything you'd like to add uh, in, in that regard? Yeah, Scott, I think you got it just right. I'd like to emphasize a few key points regarding the transformation that's occurring within aerospace and defense. Aerospace and defense products have become ever more complex with requirements and technologies evolving faster than traditional serial development process can be executed. And this is a condition that you you could have heard people say this 10 years ago, but it's it's more significant than, than ever. And that puts more pressure to move to a methodology that uh, has a time frame and a cycle that uh, is more in line with the evolution of customer needs and the capabilities of uh, enabling technology. Uh, secondly, it's really important to recognize and accept that the US DOD is moving to this new acquisition model that will require A&D companies to deliver solutions faster and within a construct of validated modules similar to what uh, Dale's been discussing quite well. Now, A&D manufacturers have accepted this challenge to transform the product development lifecycle and empower agile development teams with the capability to define, model, and simulate digital twins of the products they are developing. So this is real, it's in motion. There are some companies that are well down that path, especially the new entrants, but the uh, well-established major players, they're moving really rapidly and we're going to see a lot of change across the board within the next several years. Yeah, these are exciting times for sure. Well, the beauty with Agile is that it, it can work in a number of scenarios. It, it's extremely flexible given different objectives or goals. Dale, can you touch on a few areas where Agile can benefit an organization or company? Yeah, I think so. I, I think there's a variety of engineering and product design areas that 
you can apply agile to. And a few of those that I'm thinking about, like in advanced design, early design, you're looking at, you're optimizing your product concept and your architectures. These typically are small teams anyway, but they look at a lot of different configurations. And so Again, this is maybe an area where you can really change your focus and go faster in an area that is usually kind of fast paced, but small teams, you can accelerate that process. But as I mentioned earlier, with the digital thread, you can now also keep track of the configuration, help manage the baseline and, 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 and keep track of what you've looked at and evaluated so that you can go back and look at it again. We see as you move into preliminary to detailed design phases that this really is this multidisciplinary design optimization. I've talked a lot about it during this podcast where you're doing chunk management during these time, time periods and really, and really maturing elements or, you know, like parts or sections of an airplane or air vehicle all at the same time to really focus on uh, maturing the, the product together, the, all of the systems, subsystems together. The virtual testing, I think, is super exciting and how it can lead up to you know, product certification. Again, to really make that certification phase process much more of a verification phase to make sure that you minimize your risk of any discovery of any changes or uh, issues that need to be addressed. And then, you know, as, once a product's out in the field and you've been delivering product for a while, that now Agile can still apply. You have this baseline from the original certification. You have the digital twin and the digital thread that's there. And, and leveraging the digital twin, you, you can develop new product options and, and derivatives. And as you look at the types of derivatives that you might have, again, you can apply Agile to these areas. So if you're stretching a fuselage or adding wingspan or maybe adding new sensors to a, to a product that you can, you can use these same methodologies. So, and I think, again, the key is just having that digital twin, the digital thread available, and then being able to do it in a very collaborative design environment that's very flexible and open and enables engineers and, and program teams to really move quickly. I have to say, unfortunately, we're getting close to the end of this podcast. So, Dale, is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't touched on? I, I know we've covered a lot. And the one key area that, that keeps um, coming to mind is the digital transformation. We've talked about the digital thread and the digital twin. But is there anything more along those lines you want to share with the listeners? It's been a great discussion so far, but uh, it really is important to recognize the benefits of the digital transformation and 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 what we can bring with the accelerated portfolio that enables companies and teams to go faster with solutions such as agile product development. And it's the applications and the digital twin that really enables this this virtual testing and manufacturing. We often say you want to be able to fly it before you build it. And maybe even sometimes you build it before you build it. And that's what you're getting when you do use the virtual world and virtual technology to to uh, evaluate the uh, performance of your product. And then being able to manage this on a digital backbone to really manage the product baseline, the data, and all of the engineering workflows, the, the product changes in the overall configuration. So really is, uh, you know, there are you know, a lot of keys there to helping customers move into this, uh, transform their business, be able to, you know, develop new products faster. Well, you know, we talk about this, and it sounds great, but... What we really need to see is rubber hitting the road. So, Jim, can you cite a real-world example of Agile in action? Sure, Scott. One example, which is uh, becoming famous, and because it's really a a great example, is the uh, Boeing TX program. And this is a really great example of the benefits that can be achieved 
by applying Agile development in A&D. The TX program is the United States Air Force Development and Acquisition Program for a new T2C jet trainer to replace the Northrop uh, T-38 Talon. For those who, but Boeing used a new design of manufacturing technologies to win the contract with an all new aircraft. The company also viewed the TX as a proving ground for a design and development approach that could apply to future programs. Boeing determined that using modern computer-driven design and manufacturing could dramatically shorten the development cycle, saving time and money using 3D modeling and precision manufacturing that would reduce labor and accelerate development. Now, I'm going to read from my notes because I think the exact quotes and statistics are very well stated, and I don't want to diminish the story by imprecisely paraphrasing this information. The gentleman that ran the uh, program, uh, Mr. Paul Newald, was the chief engineer. And he said, we adopted an agile mindset and a block plan approach to hardware and software integration. He went on to explain, this had us releasing software every eight weeks and testing it at the system level to validate our requirements. So this is right in line with what Dale's been talking about. By doing this in such a disciplined way, at frequency, it allowed us to reduce our software effort by 50%. Now, the benefits reported to date on this program using Agile development include the following. 50% less program costs than the U.S. Air Force expected. This is one of those programs that went out to bid, and when Boeing came in with their bid, which was 50% less than what the Air Force was expecting, the other competitors just dropped out. Model-based engineering resulted in a 75% increase in first-pass quality. Agile software development resulted in a 50% fewer software hours. And advanced manufacturing produced an 80% reduction in assembly hours. So with statistics like that, it's kind of hard to compete. And with statistics like that on this type of program, it's got to be pretty intriguing and motivation to investigate further. There was an article for the Royal Aeros Society titled Breaking the Mold uh, by Mr. Tim Robbins, and he states the TX approach to rapid design and development, along with affordable support, could have lessons for more complex and sophisticated aerospace projects, not just in Boeing, but around the globe, as companies and nations aim to break the mold on the spiraling cost of military aircraft. And I think that statement from Mr. Robin sums things up pretty well as far as the message we've been trying to get across today. Wow. Wow. Jim, that's a great example of agile in the defense sector. I, I don't know. I don't know how you're going to top that. But Dale, what about in the commercial space? What, what do you have in, in the commercial arena? The TX is a great story. They've really done great things. And, and it's a great example of really not just bending the cost curve for military programs, but actually starting to break it. But in the commercial area, you know, we're, we're seeing companies adopting this in very different places. But you know, we see some smaller companies like Buy Aerospace. They're doing great things with small teams, really within a digital enterprise. And they're moving very quickly. And they've seen great results when making changes. They've shared examples where they stretched the fuselage four inches to accommodate some changes to their requirements and how by having everything digitally linked, they're able to do that in like weeks instead of months. And 
in some cases, they've reduced some of their engineering hours more than 50% just by leveraging digital solutions. I think the number actually maybe is like 60%. And so they're able to execute these programs with really small teams and they're being able to be very efficient and effective as they do it. And, and, and I would say, you know, as a result of these time savings, I, I'm seeing them starting new programs now. They just announced a, a larger eight-seat aircraft, uh, which they're now starting to work on, even as they wrap up certification on some of their existing products. And so this is allowing a company to accelerate their product development plan. And uh, it's pretty cool what they're doing out there, and they're doing a great job. Well, one of the keys to me uh, to agile product development, it, it seems it's the continuous or the, the iterative process. And it all occurs within that digital environment we've been talking about. And it's something that Siemens Accelerator Portfolio provides. I just want to mention Accelerator. It's part of Siemens and it's, it's a flexible, open ecosystem of software and services. And this does include both the, the digital twin and the and multiple digital threads, including the product design and engineering thread that we discussed here today. So with Agile product development, you're doing continuous verification and you're managing and maintaining this configuration control with all artifacts in place. It means you have traceability through all of your digital threads. You have a very robust program management system where everything is synced together. Jim, Dale, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for your time today. It was great to be with you and Dale. This is an exciting and important topic. And my thanks to you and Dale for the opportunity today. Yeah, Scott, thanks a lot. And again, uh, it's always good to join you on these podcasts. And Jim, thank you very much for joining us today. Really brought a lot of great insight from your perspective at SimData and working with the A&D PLM Action Group. And so really appreciate you joining us today. So thank you. A wonderful conversation. Thank you both. So listeners, if you enjoyed this episode and you don't want to miss upcoming episodes, please subscribe to Talking Aerospace today on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or or wherever you go to get your favorite podcast. We're currently in season five with plenty of new episodes planned around zero emissions aircraft, so you don't want to miss that. My name is Scott Salzweedle, and this is Siemens Talking Aerospace Today. I hope you'll join us again for our next podcast. Until then, bye for now. <laughs>